Hello and welcome to the Pink Bike Podcast. My name is Henry and this week for the intro I am joined by Dario and Kaz. Now Kaz, you put out an opinion piece last week regarding people straight-lining turns. I have come up with a genius solution combining two of your pet hates. So you don't like dog poo on the trails and you don't like people inciting turns. Should we not be encouraging dogs to poo on cheat lines? Possibly. Mm. This might be fine. Yeah, I might be into this because I wrote that article specifically thinking about this one trail that just keeps getting, it's a flat trail with some little turns in it, like nothing. And then people keep blowing the turns. And I went and wrote it yesterday. Both of the turns that I was complaining about were, were opened and people put shit, like not actual shit, but they put logs and things in the original trail. <laughs> and it made me very, very mad. Yes, like I was yes, so mad yes. and I was trying to make it like not make me I try not to get mad when I'm riding my bike because I like riding and it made me furious. So if it's you out there and you happen to listen to this podcast, you're going to get flats for the rest of your life. I don't care. Like, stop doing cursed. it. Cursed. <laughs> it's yeah, someone in Bellingham. Be I mean, they're, I know it they're is. doing it and I, frequently enough that it... it, it yeah. If the last week's taught us anything, it's that we don't incite rage from the community. Thank you very much. Be nice. Uh, yeah, it's true. Now, <laughs> yeah. What... Do you, Dario, you're a pretty cool trendy guy. They don't give that mustaches to just anyone. <laughs> Is, do you still are you still beholden to the thing of no dig no ride because to be honest i don't i'm going to be i don't dig trails very much i kick a drainage ditch and every now and then that's about it but i do try and donate to my local um you know to Sorka who do an amazing job um and you know and i try and it sounds a bit silly but i try and just show my love that way what do you think if there were if, if, if there are a lot of mountain bikers and if every person who mountain bikes also dug trail there would be a lot of horrible trails out there that's my opinion on it i think i think there are too many people at this point to 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 contribute what they think is like the ideal mountain bike trail i think people should like contribute like we're in a special place where like our trails organization has dig days mm. you can go join one of those you can spend a day like repacking berms and building jumps and all that and it's like constructive they've got people running those crews who know what they're doing i think that is a good use of time yeah that's true that said my move is mostly like carrying a silky saw and cutting out trees and like kicking in drainage where appropriate yeah yeah and i think that's a good way to do it because yeah every, i don't think everybody needs to have their own personal trail that they're like this is my contribution because like you said i don't think that would always come out that great but there are like again we're spoiled here because i rode a trail that's not on the map over the weekend and somebody had gone and uh raked the entire trail from top to bottom and it was so beautiful and like there's just leaves on each side and then there's a strip of brown perfect dirt. And that's just somebody volunteer just out of the goodness of their heart, like doing killer work. So I think yeah. that, um, yeah, help out where you can, but you shouldn't also, you also shouldn't feel guilty if you don't have the time to build your own magical trail. Like, yeah, like you said, donate to your local trail organization, find other ways to help out. You know, there's not, you don't actually have to be out there in the woods. Digging. Maybe we should start that. Maybe we should start some like guerrilla marketing where every week we talk about a great trail association because I know it sounds stupid, but coming the, the the level of organization that Sorka puts in is quite amazing and if anyone ever has ever come up to Squamish and been like wow these trails are really good maybe I don't want to you know obviously it's a we're in the midst of a, a cost of living crisis so I don't want to I don't want to make anyone feel bad for not mm. donating to any trail organization but if you came to Squamish and you think wow that was really great it's really worth considering donating to Sorka because they're really cool you can get varying levels of membership you can donate them five bucks and it all it all helps and I think that's really really cool I was going to say one thing that was one of the cool things when trail forks first came out and you can still do it, but like on trail forks, if you ride a new zone, um, and again, this isn't like a paid promotion or anything like that, obviously pink bike trail forks are related, but 
it is cool if you're in a new zone and you go to the trail organizations page on the, on the app you can just click donate so if you ride a sweet trail and you're like that was worth it i'll give them five dollars or two dollars like, that's kind of a neat little way to do it super yeah, easy totally. um speaking of building trails there was something that it's not often i get really madly into edits i am kind of i don't know, maybe i'm kind of numb to them just because you know the, for the last 15 years you know we've just been loads and loads of mountain biking edits people doing cool stuff yada 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 but i did want to shout out a really really amazing ed- edit which some of the building looks fantastic and that's dillian sheffer's attainment which came out the last week what do you think darryl was going through his mind when he was you you you're basically a cabinet maker, a maker of fine, fine things. I imagine you made some sketchy North Shore drops in your time. What do you think was going through his head when he I was sh- eyeing I up? I have that? not applied my woodworking. Have you not? Wait, sorry, go ahead. You haven't put like layer no, to layer of varnish on a beautiful woodworking skills to... mahogany drop? <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, perhaps I should combine my passions, but I have not done that yet. Did you guys see attainment the best though? I've done. Did you have a little watch? What's it do you think? Yeah. Yeah. It's sick. Oh, it's dope. So good. I really liked the motion graphics they did too. (laughs) The, um, the like intro, uh, block letter things that kind of emanate out of the landscape. It definitely had like a little throwback to it. And I think Bjorn said he hadn't made a, a full, like a video like this. in was it 10 years or something since he last came out with something with a video? So pretty cool. And then, yeah, it's good to see that drop that Dylan did. I guess it was last year when he actually did it, but I remember everybody wanted to see yeah. more. So it's cool to see it actually featured. In that Amazing. And now before we get onto this week's kind of podcast, which is one between Alicia and Pink Bike Racing's Tebow, I just wanted to talk about a little bit about um, shocks and where they are. Because Kaz, you did a review last week on that Fox Float X. Seemed like a very good shock. Um, reviewed very well. Can you just explain to people why or how they're managing to make an in-between shock that isn't a piggyback but isn't also the lightest. And what's going on there? Yeah, so this is actually the Fox Float. It gets confusing because all of their product names oh, shit, have Float in it. So the float. This is the Float. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, no, there's the Float SL, there's a Float, and then there's a Float X. So this is the Float. It sits right in the middle of their kind of more XC-oriented one and then the uh, the piggyback one. So for this one, they gave it a bigger air can and a bigger piston diameter. Um, and the goal was to kind of, like you said, kind of split the difference between your your smaller shock you'd find on a XC race bike. And then on a full piggyback one, you might find on more of like a enduro or all mountain bike. Um, and they, to, you know, to, to, for the most part, they accomplished it. Like it does have, it feels closer to a float X than to a float SL. So it kind of has that deeper feeling, um, helps mm. you get the most out of the amount of travel your bike has. But at the same time, it's not quite as good as the float X. If you want that, um, the adjustment be able to make it feel super soft off the top it's it's kind of an in-between which i think is going to be really popular with oems like you're going to find this spec on a lot of bikes and i think that's great like it's going to fit well with that style of bike but as far as an aftermarket upgrade i don't see as many customers saying oh i want to buy this i think a lot of people are just going to go to the piggyback shock just because do you, it looks do like you it. think it would have a good application for you know you dario did the downerville was it leadville or downerville you did I always forget which one you did Downerville, Casima, yeah. you swanned about in Lycra on Vancouver Island in the summer. Do you think that this style of shock could have an application there where actually you want something light, but you don't really want to give up um, some of the, the grip that you can get with a, yeah. a more descent focused shock? Yeah, I, I think, think I, you could do that. Yeah, I probably, I wish I had that. I mean, it's not like I was suffering without it, but it would be, it would fit the bike I was riding well. 
and would be an improvement over the stock one because I was riding like the older version of the float, which is more between the SL <clears throat> and the regular float. So, yeah, and one, kinda... I think one thing that's cool that you can do if if you have it, it just has a two position lever, which I did have some gripes about the lever the actual movement of it because it has the same amount of throw as the old one that has three positions, but this one doesn't have the middle position, so it can feel a little weird. But either way, you could tune the locked position to not be quite as locked which I think that'd be the way I was would go if I was going to have it on my own bike. I'd make it the locked position would be more of just a firm compression instead of like really firm compression. I think that would make it more usable for, for most times you could have it in that pretty firm position and then open it up and have it all the way open for descent. Yeah. So there's some interesting things you can do with it. Nice. Now, we're going to get into a, like I said, a podcast between Alicia and Pink Bike Racing's Thibaut Lally. These podcasts are all about supporting and kind of, you know, going behind the behind the um the curtain a bit for the pink bike racing series and kind of getting a greater level of of insight now if you haven't watched this week's episode it is on the homepage right now it's definitely worth the watch the amount of effort that sleeper co Castro, and the whole of pink bike racing go into this is is extraordinary and um, it's really worth giving a chance because some of these episodes are absolutely amazing but we hope you enjoy the podcast and we'll catch you on the other side I'm here today with Tivo Lolly, who's been on the Pink Bike Racing team from the very beginning. Tivo, thanks so much for being here today. Yeah, Alicia, thank you. Thank you for having me too. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be here uh, to to speak a bit about the season and everything about Pink Bike Racing. Thanks. Yeah, I'm excited to hear about it. Could you start from the very beginning and just tell us the story of how you started mountain biking? <laughs> Yeah, um, so I started mountain biking very, very early. Um, so my dad just put me on a bike. I was two years old. And, you know, there is this little wheels on the side. Uh, and I took it off like very, very fast. And my dad was seeing that I was feeling comfortable on the bike. And at the age of five, I think, I started doing some um, races before you know you can even have a, a license and uh yeah it just um i was uh, doing some mountain bike and little races home races in uh, Brittany. you know it's uh, northwest of france where where i was living and um yeah i was just uh playing with my friends on a bike having fun and uh it, it was like very natural also my uncle was a mechanics for top uh, riders in motocross so i was also doing some motocross very early and yeah um, i think i was always on two wheels since since then <laughs> wow oh that's so cool so going fast on two wheels came naturally to you how did that progress <laughs> into world cup racing so um, i think between yeah the age of uh, like 10 till 16 i was doing uh, some local races where you do trial uh, cross country and downhill at the same day it's very very typical from uh, France. It's some um, some races that yeah are being organized by uh, the the committees, uh, local committees. And then um, I was doing the 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 three disciplines uh, till yeah sixteen, and then um, it came naturally to me to choose uh, downhill because you see it, it's where I was the the most performant and where I was having the, the most of uh, the fun, you know. Uh, so um, I chose to downhill and uh, 
I started doing some French cups where when I was allowed to, so in under 17. And uh, very, like, um, it came very fast. Uh, like, I was um, with a local team called CycleWorks back in the past. Uh, they were helping me to go in the um, in the French Alps mountains to do the, the French caves. And uh, yeah, I was winning everything in under 17, uh, even if I was uh, living in a flat, con flat yeah, country and flat region before. And so yeah, my parents were uh, really after me as well, supporting me very good so I can just um, be able to reach the World Cup level. And um, I remember my first World Cup uh, was uh, in junior first year. Um, so when, I, when I'm saying that my parents are really supportive, they are, because my first World Cup was uh, with my dad and with Amore Pierron. And we went to South Africa together as privateer to just uh, yeah experience the first World Cup. And um, it was a lot of fun. Um, if I remember well, I qualified fifth and ended up uh, not far from the top 10. So I was really happy about that. And um, yeah, since then, I just never quit. Uh, and it was in 2014. So see, it's now almost 10 years that I'm doing some uh, some workups. <laughs> wow, that's so cool. That's yeah, that's awesome that you had the chance to just keep pursuing it. It's yeah, yeah. cool to watch. What's it been like? Because mm -hmm. you were on a, a series of different teams through that time, right? And yeah, exactly. So um, I um, I started as a privateer engineer, um, junior second year privateer as well again. Um, and see, this is why I, I I think that pink bike racing is cool because it's supporting now young juniors and everything, and it's it giving possibilities to uh, juniors. And in the back in the day, like it was not possible for me to have a team because Junior was not supported enough. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think having back racing is cool for that. Anyway, uh, then I um I had some local French teams, um, small teams, um, Swiss teams for let's say my three first year first years uh, in um, in elite. And then um, I had the possibility to go to MS Mondraker team, uh, which was a big opportunity for me because uh, they are top elite teams. And uh, yeah, I spent three years with uh, Laurie Greenland, Brooke McDonald, Eleonora Frenna, um, Mike Jones, and some of the top riders. Um, and yeah, I learned a lot uh, during those uh, three years over there. Uh, I had some of I had some of my best results uh, so far in World Cup as well. It was really really interesting to be able to learn from the pros and see the process and how they're, you know, doing their stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I was in small teams, medium teams, and then big team, big structure for three years, and I was just about to sign again um, for uh, another year. And uh, <laughs> Ben two years ago called me at the very last moment because he needed an um, elite rider with a top 60 ranking um, so that they can create the um, ping bike racing team, you know. So mm -hmm. at the very, very last moment, I joined ping bike racing. And this was two years ago in January then. And yeah, it was a crazy story. Like uh, <laughs> we, we signed, I was already signed on with MS Mondraker and we had to call the UCI the like 
even after the deadline to change the name, uh, the the papers and everything so I can be on Pink Bike Racing. And yeah, it's where it was interesting to jump into a new program where I will be more, um, you know, not a B rider, but more like kind of the A rider, if you know what I mean, um, with uh, juniors and trying to help uh, new, new riders. So it was interesting to just, uh, yeah, go to another program, a brand new structure and try to help as well, because uh, I felt like it was time for me to move as well. So it was really interesting. Also joining a media team, you know, it's a lot different than just being in a factory racing team. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's really cool hearing that you're part of what helped Pink Bike Racing start to exist. I didn't know that. And like, <laughs> yeah, you've been there from the very beginning. How's it been to watch it grow? Um, yeah, it was really interesting because um, at at first, um, Ben, I think Ben wanted to like create a bunch of people, like good good people together. And he thought that it would all work to, together very naturally, like doing nothing. Um, but it, yeah, at first, Pinkberg Racing, I think uh, last year was at the beginning of the year, I'm saying, uh, you know, just a brand new thing from the scratch. And um, yeah, I think just people were here trying to figure out what what's happening and what they have to do, etc. And then very naturally, the, the good attitudes from, uh, you know, Jackson Connelly, Emmy, and me with Ben, etc. We were all just good people together. So it was uh, obvious that uh, we would create a group, a very cool group of people and just racing World Cups. And yeah, it happens in the, in the end, we are now all good friends and I think friends forever. So it, it was interest, very interesting to see like just the um, team atmosphere uh, moving forward. And uh, as, as well, the organization was uh, also a bit better. We were structuring and also create um, kind of a real small family, you know. And with the organization getting better, I know that you're now the team manager. So what has that been like? And what are what do you do for that? Yeah, that's it. Uh, so um, <clears throat> this year, at, be at the beginning of the year, um, Ben wanted to, to race another season. It was not a surprise. Uh, he really wanted to like try to reach the top level again. Um, and unfortunately, he had a, you know this injury. But um, yeah, I wasn't meant to ride the all the World Cups or Ireland and stuff like that, but um, more to yeah be manager of the team and structure everything. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a brand new task for me, um, but I felt that it was not impossible for me to deal with that because, uh, as I was saying, uh, I've been in small teams, medium teams, uh, big structures. Um, I learned from the best, and then um, yeah, I felt like managing a structure like that was a uh, really in my uh, in my uh, competencies and skills, you know, that I feel that I had the skills for that. So yeah, it was really interesting. Um, very, very challenging sometimes because, uh, you know, the stress when you're trying to organize everything, for example, the first team camp uh, we did in uh, Squamish and uh, um, Sea Otter. It was like just traveling eight people uh, going other side of the world trying to get all the the, the goods the um, 
materials to build the bikes over there. And there is always like custom delays. You have to figure out with all the, the planes for everyone, the luggage, the accommodations. And then it comes to the registration to the World Cup. Uh, there is some delay. The paddock is not good at some points. Uh, it's just, you know, it's just a problem solving job. <laughs> oh, and, I bet. Um, That's so no, much. But, Mm, yeah, but it's very interesting. It's very interesting. Uh, what was the hardest, of course, was uh, trying to deal with um, both, both caps on my head, um, trying to be team manager and trying to ride as well, uh, which was not impossible. Just you have to be really organized and, and trust in the people that you are working with um, because uh, Ben was doing a good job with this video. There was nothing to say and it's just the boss had it. We had some good mechanics doing like a fantastic job, um, organize, very organized and precise. So yeah. And then, um, yeah, the, the hardest was also to manage the, the young kids <laughs> and uh, trying to get them autonomous, uh, which in the end of the year was really great, really good. And there were, uh, doing a good job. So yeah, it's a, it, it, it was challenging first World Cup and first team camps and everything. And then, you know, you, you find a rhythm and it's very natural. Yeah. How did you deal with the pressure of that having to be on both sides? Yeah. Um, it's, I felt like I, um, I had to deliver to ping bike because, uh, of course, um, it's a work. So you, you want to do well. And as well, um, it was also for me, just uh, I wanted to do well for, um, for <laughs> you know, when you're doing a job. And I think if you're um, a competi competitive person uh, like me, you always try to, to do your best and try to improve everything. So, uh, yeah. It was, I was feeling a bit of pressure regarding delivering to Pink Bike because it was my first year and I felt like I was just learning the whole thing and, you know, for 2024 to be even better. And um, so, yeah, it was, um, it was a bit challenging, but in the end, um, I was feeling, I was really confident in my role and everything was rolling smooth. Um, I think in general, people were really happy about what I was doing and it's cool. And uh, yeah, riding, the riding side, it was uh, completely different. So um, I had a new vision of racing. It was uh, not just, you know, going to race because um, someone asked me to race my bike or, you know, I I've never done that, but um, because I don't know, you're just here to race, have a good time and go back home. You know, it was completely different for me. I have another job and I was racing and when I was on, on my bike during trainings or when I was at the top of the mountain before quali, then it was completely different. I was just, it was just like kind of my moments <laughs> where I was uh, alone with myself and taking the most, uh, yeah, the, the most, the biggest pleasure I can get, you know, I don't know how to say that properly, but uh, yeah, just trying to race for me, be on my bike just for me, having fun. Um, just being grateful to be here, um, have the opportunity as well to still race my bike and be team manager. So it was, um, yeah, really, really, really cool. And, um, then I, I was feeling no pressure. Uh, I was obviously putting some pressure on me because I want to do always uh, well, but, um, not regarding the team. I was, 
it's just it was just writing for me and getting the the, the best experience I can yeah yeah that sounds amazing it sounds like a lot of things lined up really well what about the media <laughs> side of it did that add any pressure to it or was that something new to have to figure out um okay so last year yes it was um a lot different for me because you know when i was at ms mondraker with laurie greenland and brooke mcdonald okay we were mediatic but it was not the same as pinkbike pinkbike is the largest platform and you're very very exposed so and as well when i was at ms mondraker i was kind of a b writer you know um and i was not the the main character of the team so um, there was no pressure about uh, media and yeah, last year coming into the 2022 season, I didn't realize like how big will be the series and how big will be the exposure. And um, yeah, when I started not to qualify or not having good results, etc., I was feeling like, oh no, um, everyone will, will see that, you know? And um, mm -hmm. <laughs> it was putting a bit of pressure on me. Um, at the beginning, because you, it's not something that you're used to. But uh, we were very lucky to have um, the sleeper guys uh, as uh, media producers. Um, they're just the nicest dudes uh, in uh, <laughs> in the paddock, and uh, it was really cool to to have them on this side as well, because uh, they were giving us the confidence, and then we were not feeling any pressure. And of course, then you're getting used to like just having a camera on your face all the time. And yeah. And yeah, and in a That's... certain way, in second part of the season, sorry, Alicia, yeah. In the second part of the season, it was just, um, <laughs> it was uh, also giving me um, some kind of a boost, you know. It was boosting me and like, okay, Thibaut, just show everyone what you're capable of because now it's time you have a camera on your face, let's go. It was really interesting. <laughs> That's awesome. It seems like you also had a great comeback through the second half of the season. And was Hardline kind of the start of that? Yeah. Um, so um, this year, um, of course, uh, uh, entering into the first World Cup and the season, I was not uh, at the best of my uh, physical conditions, of course, because um, I've been working during the, the whole winter. Uh, doing another job completely different from ping bike, but uh, for different reasons. And um, yeah, so I was not, I haven't been riding the whole winter. Uh, it was just jumping back on my bike and because Ben had, had this injury and trying to race, you know. So Lenzo Ride, Leo Gang was back-to-back, uh, were back-to-back -back World Cups. So of course I wasn't ready and I knew that I didn't have the speed to qualify or having good results. And um, yeah, then um, Valdisol arrived. I decided to do the four cross on the side of the World Cup and I completely changed my mind. I was like, okay, just ride for fun now, Thibaut. Uh, you know that you're not up to speed. It will come through the season and don't hurry the thing. So um, yeah, I qualified then in Valdisol, um, having good fun on the forecast as well and having good results at the forecast. And then I started to gain a bit of confidence again. Going to our line, I was like um, riding so good. <laughs> Honestly, I was feeling so good. Because you were also the first race. to hit the giant road gap, right? You yes. were the first to hit the big road gap? That's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that's amazing. Exactly. 
The, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. When I was uh, going to this road gap, I was like, I really want to hit that jump the first this time because um, I've done I've done this jump like for two years before, and uh, I, I, in my my head, in my mind, it's the easiest um, jump, <laughs> even if it looks to be like the scariest thing. It's just a big drop. <laughs> And mm-hmm. so yeah, I just did it, and it, it was cool. So um, yeah, it's a uh, it's good examples of um, of uh, showing that the confidence was coming back, you know. Um, and yeah, then second part of the season, I was like very very close to top thirty again. Um, so not far from what I was doing last year. Um, and yeah, it was I'm I'm so gutted because the end of the year. Um, I was feeling super confident in snowshoe, qualified 41st with um, with a flat tire mid midway uh, through the through the race. So I was feeling so confident, you know, for the next day, ready to go in final and just hit the thing and get a good result. And um, but unfortunately, it didn't happen because I I just had a huge crash in the first rock garden. I was coming too much too too much in the hot as well, so. But that's it. Then it was season over. But yeah, the 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 speed was definitely coming back through the season. It was really easy to see that. Uh, it was obvious, and yeah, no, it's a, it was cool. Good good end of the season. Yeah, that sounds so exciting. Is your shoulder all healed from that crash now? Uh, it's not completely healed, but yeah, I, I can move. I can still do some, um, you know, uh, easy trial moto just random you know rides and and i just get a new e-bike now and uh, i will i really try to to do some e-bikes again tomorrow but it's like very gentle uh, very chill ride but um yeah i think in two weeks it, it will be all done and i will start uh, training again and um and yeah just send some cool. send some stuff on my bike <laughs> yeah that's exciting what keeps yeah. you motivated when you kind of have things like that happen and you need to be motivated to come back? Um, I just, I, I'm, I'm bored when I'm not on my bike, when I'm not doing a thing. It's just natural for me. It will be, I think I will always be on two wheels. Uh, whatever happens, I will. Um, and so it's not even coming back. It's just coming back to normal life, <laughs> you know? Yeah, just being yourself um, again. Yeah, that's it. Just being myself again, exactly. Uh, because I've, as I was saying, um, I started mountain biking in at the age of like four or five years old. So mm-hmm. if I'm not doing that, it's not like completely me. That's, yeah, that's amazing. That's what you know. What was your favorite <laughs> yeah, moment it. from this season? Oh, interesting. Uh, good question. Um, mm, 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 okay, I will have um, two highlights. Um, the the good first good memory from the season was, um, you know, seeing being able to see Amy on the podium um, because you know that you were helping this performance and it felt really good to the whole crew just to see her on the podium on the World Cup podium and realized that, yeah, it's cool. You, you've you been doing that, all that work and it pays off because you see, 
you see people having success, you know. It was the same for Wyatt, just to be able to qualify at the end of the year and get a top 10. And we were like just, oh, yes, because we knew that he had some rough moments and we were just keep on pushing, helping, working for them. And it's so cool to see them the p people having success and knowing that you're proud of it. So this was the first highlight. And uh, the second highlight would be, um, yeah, just having good, good fun uh, at the Red Bull Art Line. And yeah, sending that, sending that drop in person was really good. I really enjoyed that. And um, it always it's always cool to be there with uh, like some of the most talented people in the world on bicycle. and. Being part of it is like, I'm really grateful for So every time I'm at Red Bull Island, I feel very, yeah, like, like you're a special <laughs> kind of writer. I and bet. It's a, it's a good feeling to be honest. Yeah. It is a huge deal. Even just that you can ride that course and the fact that you can ride it fast is that's awesome. Like you were in the top 10 there last year. How did it feel yes. to have it canceled with the weather this year? Yes. So yeah, exactly. It's a it's already a big thing just to um, like line up all the the jumps together and being able to send them all together mm -hmm. in in a row because it's really yeah it's crazy crazy features. Um, and then when you have to like put down a run top to bottom and try to get a good result, um, yeah, it's another story because you're pushing a bit faster and harder on some parts that you were not uh, training too much before and yeah it's a it's a complete different way of riding it so it was cool having this top 10 was really nice and um it's also what get me invited again uh, this year in 20 in 2023 um and this year oh, i was so good in like just not to being able to race uh for me it was it was the goal of the year to get a top 10 minimum again, maybe a top five. And who knows what can happen, you know, if you're, if you're good that day. And uh, not being able to race the, when we were having like this bad, this bad weather conditions, this wind, it was really, you know, not, it was... Ah, yeah. yeah, it's still, it you know, in so my heart and I'm like, ah, it's hard to swallow. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, it, well, it was in a certain way, it was for the safety of everyone. And um, mm -hmm. I think it was a good decision. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It just, you know, you got unlucky, but there will be more hard lines. What are your greatest strengths as a rider? Um, good question. Good question. I think... Jumps in general, I like to send some stuff. Uh, I like to just, you know, when there is a weird triple that no one is really jumping, I like to just try to commit the thing and get get through it and like be one of the first to do it. So yeah, uh, I think it's just like stupid technical jumps. I like doing it. Oh, that sounds so awesome. It sounds like fun, too, is such a huge factor in what you're good at and what you end up practicing. And yeah, that makes sense. What are you working on the most in your riding? It's like a constant work. Um, I'm just, um, I'm not really working on a special thing. Uh, it just, you know, 
I think people in general at this level, at WorkUps, um, it's just working on, it's not really working on skills because we are all really talented writers, able to do some crazy stuff. Even in trial, we're really good at, you know, doing like U-turns or whatever at high speed or, but um, I think it's get a good rhythm, um, top to bottom. This is what is the hardest and what you have to always work on is like definitely get the rhythm and get the flow more than just going fast on a rock garden on a root section and then stop and having a shit turn or whatever, but like get a good flow and confidence. So um, this is what I'm working on. And by confidence, I mean, I'm trying to work mentally to be able to like, calm down a bit more before I run, not be like too, too hype and before dropping the gate. And yeah, it's a, it's where my, my big weakness is, is like the, the mental, um, side, I think. Um, and yeah, we, we are, um, I was, yeah, I'm being helped by people on that. So it's cool. Interesting. Yeah. And so now that we're going into the off season, what does your training look like? <laughs> so now it's a bit uh, more like just going out with my friends, <laughs> having some good parties because, you know, my shoulder is injured and um, there is not <laughs> much to do. Um, but um, I've been um, I've been running quite a lot because of this shoulder injury, you know, not able to cycle too much. Um, so now I'm running a lot and when the shoulder will be better again, what the off season and what the winter is made for here in France is doing motocross and ski. <laughs> so I will do a lot of it, go back to the gym like two, three times a week if I can. And yeah, it, it will be just this, uh, having good friends and a lot of moto and when it will be sunny again in the mountains of France, just uh, when the snow will be gone, uh, jump on the bike again and try to get the rhythm again. Very cool. Does it help you to take a little bit of a break from training each year just so you can come back at full strength? Yeah. Oh, for me, definitely. Um, I, I am um, the kind of guy that loves to just, you know, go on holidays, having good parties and fun with some friends. Uh, I've never been like the top serious uh, rider like some on the workups here, just, you know, tra training, training, training all year. No, it's, I'm not this kind of people. Um, so yeah, for me, it helped me for my body as well, because um, at the end of the year, you're totally exhausted. It's, honestly, it's just <laughs> everything is fucked. And um, and also for the mental uh, aspect of it, um, just having a good break is also very, very, very uh, good for for the mind. So when you're jumping back on your bike and you know on the road bike or whatever, you feel more motivated and you know that you you want to do it again. So yeah, definitely having this break is really important. Totally. That makes a lot of sense because I think I'm the same way. I like biking a lot more when I get to, I don't know, take breaks from it and realize I miss it. Yeah, so, yeah that's, that's really it. cool. I think it's the same in every kind of um, disciplines in general. It's like, I don't know, it's just like, <laughs> you know, you, you love a drink, you're doing too much of it 
and then you don't like mm-hmm. it anymore. It's like a song when you you hit the song too much and then you're like, ah. So it's the same. Oh, uh, man, I do that to myself. Yeah. I ruin a lot of my favorite songs by playing them over and over. Yeah, that's it. It's and then you're like, breaks. oh, why did I ruin it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sweet. Well, I think that wraps up everything I am hoping to talk about. Do you have anything else you want to know or want the world to know? Um, yeah, uh, I, I just want to say like a big thank you to the whole Ping by Grating crew, uh, to the um, sleepers uh, for the work that they, they have done. And we, we saw that with the first episode. The It's really amazing. The, the views, the comments, people are really loving it. I think ping bike racing is really a thing and people are really enjoying, I think, seeing us, um, you know, evolving through the World Cup. So I really want to thank everyone involved in the project, uh, whether it's in ping bike racing, the ping bike racing crew, the mechanics, Ben and the riders, um, the sleepers and all the viewers, all the ping bike uh, people in the community that are uh, supporting us and of course all the sponsors involved in the project as well because they're doing an amazing job so yeah just big big thank you to everyone amazing and thank you in turn like we at pink bike really appreciate you and love to watch you go crush it at races so we're glad you're there glad you're doing it thank you and thanks for chatting today yeah thank you alicia And we're back. So we've got some beautiful riding time at the moment. Let's hear some beautiful music. Dario, what kind of noise have you got that sounds like a speaker being run through a blender, thrown off a cliff on impact? What 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 gentle melodies? I have, have, a, you got I, have a, I actually have a, a completely different. ABBA. Uh, it's ABBA, isn't genre it? Please, it's ABBA. Week. It's it's something pleasant. Yeah. I like ABBA, oh, but no, 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 it's, it's not, no one yells, no one, there's no dissonance. Um, <laughs> I'm recommending a single song. Perfect. Instead of a whole album. This is a whole different Dario this, is, Dario I'm, this I'm, Honestly, I'm impressed. Uh, wow. yeah. yeah. The song is Lingering by Allegra Krieger. It's a beautiful song. Uh, it makes you feel love in your heart. Oh. And that is uh-huh. the one Dario, you should listen to today. Sweet, it's beautiful. Uh-huh. It's a really nice song. I'm listening to it a lot. Um, I think winter is my time of like uh, sad female vocalists. So I'm entering that phase. I'm excited. And then in about one month, it'll be back to hardcore. So have you have you entered the Andre 3000 flute phase yet? <laughs> oh, I've listened to that numerous times. That was my <laughs> other wreck. But yeah, the Andre 3000 just released a flute trance album that is actually so good. <laughs> it's actually decent. It's pretty good for working too. Like it's good yeah. background music. And his yeah. his people asked him like what 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 happened like why did you do this and he's like i'm 50 like i can't rap about things anymore he's like i don't know what to talk about so i made a trance album it's, yeah. it's really good um yeah. Kaz, what would be your music corner suggestion mine is from a band called english teacher and then the song is the world's biggest paving slab um and this band doesn't have a full <laughs> length out yet yeah it's pretty good you should check it out i don't even know how to describe it. it's kind of good just indie music yeah, I don't know. I like the vocals and it's just a good song. And they have more. Hopefully they come out the full length because I've been trying to find more music from them, but there's not a ton out quite yet. But I think they have a lot of potential. Nice. Solid. And um, yeah. my suggestion 
is going to be Territory by The Blaze. It's actually a song that... Do you remember a field test a couple of years ago, Kaz, and we all took it in turns to show something cool on YouTube? I think Tom Richard showed us mm-hmm. The Room, mm. and I kind of come back to oh, it, right, but yeah. makes a music video as well. Um, very kind of arty-farty, but very well put together. And yeah, it's got a great, a great theme. And it's cool, actually, because the guy, the main sort of actor in this music video ended up being one like the James Bond baddies. And I just thought, wow, that's some progression. That's sick. I've got time for that. That's pretty good. Yeah. And um, <laughs> that's it for another week of the Pink Bite podcast. Thank you very much for listening and we will catch you next time. Mm-hmm.